Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode number 90. I'm your host, Eric Moore. This week, I'm actually going to do an episode on a question I get a lot, not only from listeners, but also from other people about, uh, you know, the idea of, is your house an asset or is it a liability? And that also dovetails into other questions like, well, is it better to buy a house or to rent? Uh, do you get a better return on buying a house versus, let's say, putting money into the stock market vis-a-vis, you know, the S&P 500? And this is one of those subjects that endeavors quite a bit of uh, opinion on both sides of it. And so, you know, a lot of people say, hey, real estate's the best thing to do. Other people say, you know what, the stock market's better. And there's sort of pros and cons to, to each. The renting versus buying, and we did a, at least one episode, if not two, and I'll, I'll link to those if I can remember uh, which episodes they were. But, you know, if, uh, if you look at renting versus buying, there's, there's quite a bit of nuance there as well. So is your house a liability or is it an asset? And, you know, some people who say, look, it's a liability, uh, they might point to uh, Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, and I think the point, um, and I'm, I'm doing this, somebody rephrased this recently, uh, the point that they make is something's not an asset unless it generates you know, cash flow. And so I'm not going to use that strict of a definition because you could certainly, you know, let's say, buy stocks. Uh, maybe they don't pay a dividend. You know, many years, Microsoft, Apple didn't pay dividends, uh, but their total return, which is any appreciation and any dividends that they pay, uh, certainly you would have been rewarded of, over the years. So we think about assets. Um, an asset typically is something that, um, you know, you own, has the ability to go up in value. And when you look at a house, that certainly can happen. Uh, your house can can go up in value. But one of the interesting things with a house is, and you know, this sort of goes into the whole idea of is real estate better? You know, is owning a house, should I pay off my mortgage? Should I put all my extra money into a house? Or, you know, should I invest in the stock market? And one of the things I think it's pretty interesting about a, a house is, you know, there's obviously expenses. And I'll, I'll give you some numbers about what the median home price was, 1980, 2000. And if you would have bought, theoretically, you know, what, what you would have made on an annualized basis. But you look at a, a house, and if I were to just give you a house today, just give it to you. Say, here you go. Uh, does that mean you have no expenses? The answer, of course, is no. You know, if, if you were gifted a house... Find, I find somebody on the street and it happens to be you. And I say, here, here's my house. You can have it. Here's the keys. Sign over all the paperwork. But what do you have? Well, each year you have to pay property taxes. So property taxes, that's an expense. You have to pay insurance. Uh, that's, that's certainly an expense. If you live in a neighborhood that has a, a homeowners association and they have dues, uh, that can be an expense. Of course, Sometimes those expenses also cover, you know, your landscaping or sometimes, you know, if you live in a condo, it might include the roof. 
uh, a bit of insurance as well, but you know that that can be an expense. Uh, electricity and heating, yeah, but you would have that if you rented too. So I'll, I'll kind of touch on that. That's an ex- important distinction because unless you are you know living on somebody's couch rent free or living with you know your parents or other relatives, uh, a brother, a sister, somebody. You, know, you would have those expenses anyway. That's kind of like you're like, oh, you know, if I own a house, I have to have internet. Well, if you rented, you're probably going to have internet too, right? But so you think about that, you just get gifted a house. And so in some ways, it is a liability. It's a liability because, yeah, you own taxes, insurance. Um, oh, what about repairs and maintenance? Anyone who's ever owned a house knows that besides, you know, just redoing things. So if you ever owned a house and you're like, I don't, I want to redo the kitchen, the the counters, I want to paint, any of that stuff. But just general maintenance, like every X number of years, the hot water heater goes out. Okay. That's anywhere, you know, uh, I I don't even know what it is. It's probably somewhere between 400 and, and, uh, and 900 bucks, you know? Okay. So that's, that can happen. Uh, especially, you know, if you have somebody, a plumber come out and do it, I certainly don't know how to install a, a hot water heater. But uh, you could also have, what if you need a new roof or you need to replace the the air conditioning? You need to paint uh, something in the bathroom breaks. You have a sprinkler system in your yard. So, th- I mean, there's any number of things that could, you know, we call it depreciation. You're going to have to you know, to keep the house going and in a good state, a uh, good working state, you're going to have things break. You're going to have items that you need to repair or, or improve. And yeah, of course, if you want to put new kitchen cabinets in, that's going to be an expense as well. So if you're renting, you certainly don't have those things. Now, the good thing about owning a home is that uh, it's actually a little bit of a hedge on inflation. So you know, if you buy a home today and we assume inflation's like two, 2% a year or something like that, whatever it is, you know, the theory is at least your home and historically this has been true, uh, over time, home prices should go up at least with, with the rate of inflation. So, you know, you should be getting two, 2%, 3%, something like that a year. And the timing matters too. You know, when you buy a home, could certainly be important. But yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of a hedge on on inflation. Also, if you have a mortgage, now a lot of people say, oh, I don't, don't want to have a mortgage or I should put every last dollar I can into paying the mortgage down. And I'll have, have some thoughts on that too. But, you know, let's say that you're, you take a 30-year fixed mortgage out and your payments are fixed. In other words, if there's inflation uh, in the next 20 years, 15 years, let's say year of 15, you're still paying that same mortgage amount, excluding taxes going up and um, insurance and things like that. But just on, on the principal and the interest, your payments are fixed. So that's one of the positives. And plus, you know, so you're on a, it's kind of like if you made $20,000 in late seventies, it's probably equivalent to like a hundred something thousand today on an inflation adjusted basis. And it's the same thing. You know, if your mortgage payment was 
2000, if, let's say your mortgage payment's $2,000 today. Well, in 20 years, if inflation goes up, you would assume that home prices go up. Who knows what interest rates are going to be when you do your loan? Uh, but on an inflation-adjusted basis, um, you actually get the benefit of having the old basis before inflation hit, if that makes sense. And so there, there's definitely a you know, positive to that, even though you have taxes, insurance, depreciation. Um, the other thing, too, is with interest rates so low, you know, it used to be when rates were much higher, 7 8 9%. At the beginning of a, when you first started paying your loan, most of the the payment that you made was made up of interest only, you know, almost all interest. Only a small amount went to equity. Well, now where the 30-year mortgage, the average is 3%, although I don't know if you actually get 3%, uh, especially without paying any points today. But, you know, let's say if it's 3%, each payment that you make, it's not 50-50 on day one. But it's not a majority of interest anymore. Uh, early on, the majority is still interest, but a, a good portion of that payment is going to be towards your equity. And so with rates so low, you actually start to build equity a little bit sooner with those payments. And so that's that's kind of an interesting thing. And it is a benefit to, uh, uh, to homeowners. And so the positive is, yeah, you get it's sort of a hedge on inflation. If you have a fixed loan, you know you you have certainty about what your payment's going to be. If you rent, certainly the uh, um, you know who knows what your rent's going to be. It could go up, could go down. Uh, but if your rent's not fixed, like it would be with a mortgage, so there's a lot of benefits to, to owning a home. Um, there are some tax benefits, hedge against inflation. Um, but I think it's a, it's a good point. Um, is it is your house an asset or a liability? Well, okay, let's think about it another way. What if we compare it to stocks? And again, you have to sort of live somewhere, right? So we're going to take living on somebody's couch rent-free out of the equation. And pretty much you're either going to rent or you're going to buy. Some, some variation of that. But, you know, compared to stocks, are stocks and assets, are they a liability? Well, let's think about it for a second. Um, now, of course, your, your home, unless you rent out a room... It doesn't pay you any dividends. Stocks potentially could pay you dividends, so that would be income. That's interesting. And you wouldn't pay taxes on – you pay taxes, let's say, in a taxable account on dividends. And, of course, anything in an IRA you wouldn't pay taxes on until much later when, when you started to draw money out. Uh, but, yeah, you would, you would have no taxes. No taxes um, in IRAs, you would have paid taxes on dividends, but the appreciation – you wouldn't have a taxable event until you actually disposed of the asset. Again, excluding IRAs where, where that wouldn't be. Um, by the way, stocks don't need a new roof or an air conditioner or to be painted. And so in, in that regard, um, stocks are much more of an asset than a home because I could give you stocks and let's say you know it pays a dividend and it's a taxable account. Um, you would wind up paying, you know, ordinary income or, or some variation of that on dividends. But unless you sold it, um, you wouldn't necessarily have any you know, tax liability until you sold it. Um, you wouldn't have to do maintenance on it. You wouldn't have to mow the lawn in front of your stocks. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think when I, th- uh, just to kind of 
before we get into, you know, what is, um, some people think homes appreciate more than they do, but before we get to that, um, I do think a home is, it's a little bit mixed. It's both an asset and a liability. And, you know, certainly I could give you a home, like I said, and, and you would owe money every year, every month, maybe, um, so there is, there's definitely depreciation. There's definitely cost associated with owning it. Um, but in theory, you know, it is a hedge on inflation and you can, um, there's some interesting things with regards to how you look at things uh, on inflation. Now, a lot of people point to houses and they always say, well, you know, I've doubled my money on this house or I've done, you know, but over what time, what, over what period, uh, did you buy it in 1930 and now it's, um, it's gone up so much. And so here, and this is regardless of, you know, whether we're looking at home prices or any type of asset, you have to look at the compounded growth rate. You have to annualize those returns. In other words, you know, let's say you bought a house and 10 years later, excluding anything that you put into it or, or paid in interest, and it went, it, it doubled. Well, that's roughly about a 7.1, 7.2 annualized, you know, percent gain on that. So they give you some numbers, and I realize that all of this is, you know, they always say real estate is local, and, you know, how do you know, did you get a good deal? You always say, by the way, I, no one ever buys a house, or a car for that matter, and says, yeah, I really didn't get a good deal. It's always, everyone always says they got a good deal. Um, sellers a lot of times say they got a good deal too, but anyway. So I'll give you some numbers here. I pulled this up on the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. This is the median home price. So that throws out, you know, the top, throws out the very bottom. It's, it's sort of the, the, the middle range uh, for lack of, you know, more complex uh, explanation. But I'll give you some numbers. In 1980, the uh, median home price beginning in 1980 was like 63700 okay? And 2020, this is the end of Q2, Median home price, and this is in the U.S., three hundred thirteen thousand two hundred. He said, "Whoa, sixty-three thousand seven hundred to three hundred thirteen thousand. That sounds really good." Okay, well, it's actually two plus two hundred forty-nine thousand. That's a three hundred ninety-two percent return. But you need to sort of annualize that because when you annualize it it sort of says hey on an on an annual basis what was the compounded growth rate each year that that worked out to and if you do that it's roughly about 4% uh, you know annualized compounded growth rate annualized gain uh, put a comparison on that the total return of the S&P that had an annualized return of roughly 12% over that same time um and so, you know, does, yeah, anyway, so give you some numbers there. Now, now 1980 is unfortunately getting longer and longer uh, ago. So let's pull it from 2000. Let's say you bought a home in 2000 and, you know, in 2020, uh, that same thing. And I know people will listen to this and say, wait a second, aren't, didn't home prices go up in Q3? We don't have the numbers yet. But yeah, we, we can assume it probably went up a little bit. And so the median home price, 2000, was 165300 So using the same 313 and change, that's an 89.47% gain. On an annualized basis, that's about 
3.2%. And if, if you want to sort of think about uh, a stock, um, how stocks did over that same period, it's about 6.7%, all right? So, and some, some people will say, wait a second, you know, I know my neighbor and, and he's really good about buying houses. And so just to kind of put a, an example on this, let's say instead of buying at, at 165000 and I get it, you know, you could buy a home for much less. Maybe you don't spend as much to, you know, how to fix houses and stuff. Or maybe you bought a house that was more in price, less in price. I, kind of, I, I don't have all that data, right? I just have the median. So what if instead of paying 165300 in 2000 you actually were able to get it at a 20% discount. In other words, you only paid 132, 240 instead of 165 and change. What would that what would that do to your your annualized uh, you know return? Well, instead of 89%, 89.5%, let's call it, uh, it'd be just under 137%. But annualized, uh, it's about 4.8%. So getting the house at a 20% discount would have got you about a 4.8% annualized return. Uh, versus about a 3.2. So sure, it it definitely increased things. But but here's one of the things that a lot of people don't take into account when they look at, hey, I bought the home here, I sold it here, I made this unbelievable profit. And that is, they don't take into account a couple things. Of course, there's the opportunity cost. What could you have made on another investment, other projects, you know, something like that. Um, but you know, let's look at that $165,000 house that you buy, the median house in 2000. Uh, the median property tax today in the U.S., and this is going to be all over the place, like people in New Jersey and California are going to be like, this isn't even close, but the median is about $2,279. So, um, you know, the median household paying about that. I realize some some states it's more, some states it's less. So let's, you know, it, it probably has gone up in the last 20 years. So um, just some estimation. And I said, you know, probably if we average about 1600 a year, uh, maybe 1800 a year in taxes, over 20 years, you would have paid about 36 grand in taxes. Okay, just making up some hypotheticals here. Let's say you had to spend 10K, $10,000 on a roof or other stuff. Uh, resale a driveway, like sprinklers, whatever the heck it is. Um, and let's say that, uh, oh, I don't know, probably in 20 years, is it unreasonable to think you probably spent, you know, 10 to 20 grand just on other stuff, whether it's uh, the toilets broke, the sprinklers, the pool, maybe you painted, all this other stuff. So, you know, let's let's say 36 in taxes, you know, 30 or so and maintenance, some, some things that you did and things like that. So my point of doing this, if you're adding another 66,000 to your cost theoretically. And so instead of 165, what if you made your cost basis about 231,000? And then when you sold it, instead of getting 313, you paid, you know, 5% commission on the home. So you really only netted about 298. So then your, your return uh, over 20 years is about 29%. And that's annualized. It's about 1.7% annualized return. So I, I show these numbers to you. It's not to say you shouldn't buy a house. It's just 
historically, and you can Google the, the Robert Schiller uh, numbers, um, if inflation's averaged, you know, two and a half percent over X number of years, I think he makes the point in his book, Irrational Exuberance, that, um, you know, pretty much home prices return about, on average, what inflation's been. He also, I don't want to get too complicated, but he he also makes the point that after inflation, home prices historically have, have really provided little real return. Now, of course, depends when you buy. You know, did you buy at the bottom of the market in March of 2009? Yeah, you probably, your return's a little bit higher. But um, so I, I show that to you as just a, a thing to think about. And so as we, we sort of round things out a little bit. Uh, there's a couple things. Number one is, is a house an asset or a liability? Uh, I say it's, it's, a, it's an asset, but it's, it's a liability as well. Can I say it has, it's both? I think I can. It's my podcast. Um, I don't necessarily agree that it's not completely an asset. And the, the way to do this would, you'd have to say, well, what do I spend on a house? What would I spend to rent? And then you'd have to sort of net those things out and think about, did you get any appreciation? Um, the other thing is, uh, do you, is it a good idea to throw all your money towards paying off a mortgage? I, I would say in general, and, and circumstances are different, uh, but probably, you know, the challenge with having all your equity in the house and no other assets like stocks or exposure to markets or other assets is that, you know, you, you've got tons of exposure in one sector and, and it's housing. And the other challenge is if you had, you know, emergency expenses come up or you need money for something, uh, you've either got to take a loan on the house or you've got to sell the house and then where are you going to live, right? So a house is not a completely liquid asset. So in my opinion, um, you know, there's probably a, a nice blend of uh, putting money away, whether it's 401k or other assets, uh, as opposed to just having the 100% sole focus of, of paying down your mortgage. Uh, remember that that mortgage payment as inflation goes up, um, that is on an on a inflation-adjusted basis, it's actually your, um, your cost in theory will go down. So uh, houses is a, a hedge a little bit. Um, the other thing I would tell you is that, you know, who knows what's going to happen with housing prices and who knows what's going to happen with the market. Those numbers I gave you, no idea if that's going to continue. Uh, but I can tell you, historically, stocks, you know, like the S&P 500, broad market indexes, um, they have uh, realized a, a higher um, annualized compounded growth rate than, than homes have. So, and this doesn't, by the way, get into owning a home and then renting. I mean, that's, that's really outside the scope of this discussion. Um, yeah, I mean, sure, if, if I guess if you own a home and you own a, another home and you rent it out, I mean, it's an asset. Um, I don't know, a lot of people I talk to wind up having all sorts of hassles uh, being landlords, but some people have, love it. So, But that's not my area of expertise by any means. So I think that... Uh, you know, and one little thing to take away from this is, um, you know, keeping, it's always good to keep the size of, let's say, your, the home that you're buying or what type of mortgage, what type of cash flow you're going to have in perspective. 
And so one of the mistakes people can make is buying, you know, too expensive of a house, uh, a big commitment from a monthly cash flow standpoint. And then maybe they don't have any extra funds to, to put towards, uh, you know, accumulating an investment account and things like that. So, um, you know, think, things to think about. All right. We're going to leave it there. Please, uh, instead of wasting time rating and reviewing, go ahead and uh, share this with someone. Uh, appreciate the questions and comments that come in and continue to share it. I can see when uh, people are doing that because we see the, the numbers continue to go up. Uh, don't forget, not next week. Next week, we'll be back with a normal episode. But then on, I think it's Friday the 30th, uh, we're going to be back doing our pre-election uh, podcast. We're going to look at not only the investment implications and what the market is sort of forecasting, but also uh, we'll, we'll have the chance to uh, prognosticate a bit make some predictions, review what we're seeing in the polls, what we're seeing, and it will either be uh, spot on or, you know, probably an episode you'll never have to listen to again if we're wrong. So uh, that's going to be coming up on in two weeks. All right, folks, have a great uh, week. We'll talk to you next time.